Welcome back to the Has Been Hoops podcast with a, a bit of a change up this week. Uh, our mate Wertho, he's unavailable. Turns out he's got a real job and every now and again he gets busy. So we've gone and replaced him with Master Has Been, the, the man who got the Has Beens up and running in its in, in its infancy years ago. Uh, my good mate, ex-Southeast Melbourne Magic Championship teammate, the only man I know to score 107 points in a game, Andrew Parkinson Parkey. Thanks for jumping on last minute, mate. Oh, it's my pleasure. I spent most of my NBL career uh, backing up superstars like yourself and were though. So this is, uh, yeah, it goes along in line with that one. So happy to uh, back him up for a, uh, yeah, for a show. Well, 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 speaking of backing up, we we actually went and we'll talk about it soon. We went and saw the, the throwdown. United Phoenix game last night. We sat together and watched it. But before we talk about that, you mentioned backing up. I'd like you to back up on the story. We had a couple of vodka and cokes uh, after the game, and I jumped in on the end of you telling a story about how good a player it takes to to be someone who scores fifty points in an NBL game. Now, don't hold back on the detail. I need you to start from the start. You, you, we've always said you don't need a new story; you just need a new audience. You've got an inc- you've got this huge new audience that's never heard this story. Lead up to the story and tell us about well, your fifty point games. Well, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to have a, a new audience. Uh, I don't have any new stories, so I just need a new audience. But uh, but no, that was on the back of uh, CG forty three, the great bubbles. Um, you know, leading the United to victory yesterday, and uh, I may have made the comment that. Uh, you got to be pretty good to score 50 points in an NBL game. As we know, uh, CG43, when he was playing for you, you were his coach. I think it was against Adelaide. He dropped a 50. No, Sydney, Sydney. Um, Shane Hill coached I, Sydney. Oh, it was against Sydney. Oh, there you go. Well, uh, yeah, well, actually, mine was against um, a Shane Hill team. It was against the Geelong Supercats, who'd, who'd actually sacked me nine months earlier. So... To be able to come out against the coach and team that had just sacked you about nine months earlier. Uh, yeah, so I had a few words for my old, old coach, uh, Barry Barnes, there on the sidelines. I was a young fella. I was only about 23 at the time. So I was a little hot-headed and uh, I, I might have been, you know, feeling myself a little bit. I had 30 at half time, and I was making sure I was letting him know that he... He kept a few of the guys he had on the bench there and uh, he let me go and here I was. And some of these guys, some of these names were? Oh, we don't want to name names, but Bruce Holker and Lee Cleary uh, <laughs> were a couple that I may have pointed out and said, hey, you kept these guys, you got rid of me. But uh, but look, in saying that, uh, yeah, we that was with the Saints year and, and it wasn't, uh, we weren't that successful, we weren't in the playoffs that year. Uh, but it did help me out because I, I think the best part of that whole story was that Bruce Palmer and Brian Gorgian were actually at that game. And Brian actually knew that the Spectres and the Saints were going to merge to form the Magic, which happened, uh, you know, early 1992. So Brian had said to his good mate, Bruce Palmer, hey, let's go along and watch this kid play uh, Parkinson. You know, I'm, I'm looking at picking him up from the Saints side of things. And 
joining a lot of the Spectres guys that he'd already had. So so they sat in the bar there at the glass house and uh, they said, hey, how about every time he hits a field goal, we'll do a shot. So, uh, so Brian and Bruce sort of, yeah, sort of started you know, doing the show. Yeah, he's hitting a few early. Jeez, you know. Um, anyway, to cut a long story short, I went 21 from 35 from the field. And Bruce and Brian had to be carried out of the glass house. And it made sure, and it guaranteed me a spot in this uh, newly formed Magic team. And then 12 months later, I was a championship player. So it, uh, it, turned, out, it turned out okay. Well, it, it turned out incredible. We got to play together a few years later. We won't go back and tell all those stories. Maybe at the end we'll come back and, and tell a couple of Magic stories. But let's go to the game last night. Um, we sat there and we watched it. Our mate CG43, in the absence of three United starters, you know, you, you turn up to the game and the Phoenix are playing well. Uh, they score at will and you think, geez, I've always been a believer that whoever the, whoever United bring in, it's still Chris Golding's team. I, I felt really happy yesterday to see him just put the team on his back, it came out with that completely aggressive shooters mentality and, I'm not sure I've seen a more undermanned team in a crosstown rivalry get a win equivalent to what we saw yesterday. How did you see the game? Yeah, no, that's the way I saw it too. I think, uh, you know, with two starters out, Travis with concussion and Lake Delhi's got a bit of a calf issue. Uh, and they also and Ian Clark, Clark as well. who comes off the bench and plays. Yeah, and Ian Clark as well with uh, who comes off the bench. Um you know, it provides quality minutes. So he's got a bit of a hammy concern. And, and even Huck Porty, I think, was coming back from his little knee knock. So he wasn't at 100%. So, yeah, it was uh, – and it, look, Flynn Cameron, I mean, a guy, I think it was his sort of coming out game yesterday. I think he had, what, 14 points and uh, played some really valuable minutes um, as well. And JLA, I mean, we, we've got to mention him as well. He had a, he had a great game. Uh, I think he's he, if he'd made a few free throws, he might have got close to his career high of 30 points. But uh, – but look, he he gave Source Williams, um, you know, some grief, and um, you know we had uh, Daniel Daniel Johnson was in there uh, trying to guard him as well, and he had a bit of trouble with him. So T- tell me about yeah, that because we we spoke during the game, and we so the, the, the Phoenix are on record as saying they haven't quite been where they need to be defensively, and they brought Daniel Johnson in who. Oh, I haven't seen many defenders worse in the NBL. They don't lack scoring. They need defensive punt. But it said to me two things. A, I wasn't sure he was a right fit. But B, what does it say? The Phoenix in this instance, but the NBL as a whole, where you've got guys who don't play many minutes. Look at United. They went to to Blog. They went to Flynn. In In injuries, they went to their youth. Yet the Phoenix have gone and recruited a guy who's 30-something years old and implanted him on top of the guys who probably thought with injuries they might get an opportunity. I thought it was a really interesting signing. Yeah, it was, but I could see their sentiment behind it because uh, I think they were trying to sort of do a, a similar... I guess it was the Phoenix version of, of Rob Lowe, you know, that United picked up sort of as that backup guy that they've got there, you know, to help out and experience. And look, DJ's had a great career, don't get me wrong. And yesterday, look, we've got to give him a bit of time. That was his first, his first sort of uh, real game in in a fair while, and and it was a f- fairly heated 
you know, game as far as, you know, the crowd and the uh, and what was riding on the game as well and, and that rivalry that uh, the Phoenix and United are, are trying to get going. So, you know, we'll give him a little bit of time to, to adjust. But, yeah, I think defensively, yeah, they sort of need to get better, you know, in that area. And they, they really struggled. You know, when Source got in foul trouble, you know, they had to use Creek and Vague, you know, um, you know, on JLA or Huck Porty, and, and, and they really struggled. And DJ, I think, struggled defensively as well but uh, but yeah I think it, it was a move I can see I can see why they did it but whether it's uh, yeah I don't think it's um, it, it is similar to that Rob Lowe move that United pulled and, he, and he's just been fantastic and he was even he even played great minutes yesterday but, uh, well, 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 but yeah Lowe, uh, we'll give it time well Rob Lowe goes home over the the break and then he's done um, I caught up with him after the game so unless something significant happens Rob Lowe's done, I agree, he's been incredible for United and he's absolutely filled a gap. But JLA is, is an absolute game changer in that space. Um, another team that has sort of dragged itself dragged itself off the canvas, uh, the Perth Wildcats. We, we saw them beat United and it was the game where Travers got hit. Huck Porty hurt his knee, so they were down. They found a way. It was an, it was an incredible finish. Uh, they ended up beating United in overtime. And I sat back and I wondered if, they got fortunate that United got banged up or if, in fact, they'd turned the corner, but then they went back home and beat the New Zealand breakers convincingly. So I'm not sure how much of the Wildcats games you've seen, but the latter looks more like what we expected to. The Wildcats are beginning to win. Uh, the, the teams we expected to be in the top six are sort of finding their way, their way there. How, what did you make of the Wildcats weekend from what you saw of it? Yeah, well, they've dug themselves out of a hole. They were two and five. They're now five and five. They're sitting seventh on the ladder, and I think, uh, sorry, fifth on the uh, uh, fifth on the ladder. Sorry, and um, yeah, winning their last three. But there's there's something I did notice. Yeah, so they're they're actually three and zero since uh, Mrs. Cotton's tweet. <laughs> so, uh, so that's that's an interesting uh, fact to to to, to keep uh, to get track of. But uh, now they're all everything's going looking rosy in Perth now. But there was one thing I did notice, Chris, at the end of that game that I wasn't real impressed with uh, as far as Cotton goes. He seemed to be stat hunting a little bit and um, trying to get his average up in the last. I mean, they beat New Zealand on Friday night by eighteen points. I watched the whole game from start to finish. And Cotton had got got his uh, uh, he got his uh, mojo back, and he's looking like the Cotton of old, and he's rolling, and everything's great. But they played him right out to the end, and he's hitting threes and hitting shots at the end. When I thought, you know, this is when you can give the other guys off the bench, or maybe give the Websters a bit of a go, and give them some, you know, get them going. Okay, you've got Cotton going now, and that's great. He had twenty odd points or whatever it was. You know, sit him down the last few minutes. You know, there's a chance he could get an injury, which would which would, you know, destroy their run as they've just fought back to get to five and five. So that was just something I noticed as far as the championship team goes. Yeah, I just thought the focus should be more on the team environment. You already got the win. Okay, Cotton's back in form. But, you know, the fact he was sort of taking all the shots at the end and he sort of he ended up with 37, I think, okay, which is great and it looks good in the headlines and it's it's great. It's, it's bumped up his average now to nearly 20 points a game, which is basically where he's at most years anyway. But, uh, yeah, it was just something I saw and I, I just thought, you know, this that, that was a chance for them to get some other guys going. And I, I just didn't like, uh, you know, I uh, thought Bryce Cotton's all about winning. And uh, whether uh, it's 15 points a game or 20 points a game, we're not going to – who cares? If you're going to win championships, you, you know, you win a championship, it doesn't tell you on your ring how many points you averaged. 
I, I, you're right. And you know why I didn't mind it? Because they've been so bad and because they are climbing back and because of the poor start, the Wildcats may very well be dependent on their head-to-head records at the end of the season. And I, you know, I've seen it firsthand where we missed out in the playoffs my second year coaching by one free throw because of the head-to-head. We gave up a three at the end of the game. We'd already won. United missed out by a free throw or a percent last year. Last year. For that reason, I don't mind it. Now, if they were yeah, nine fair, and fair one, but, but, yeah, but, but, even, but, you, but you notice as well, last night, United had got on top of Phoenix the last few minutes and JLA had a, an and one with three seconds to go when they probably didn't need to score either. So I think the mindset has changed from all NBL teams knowing how close the league is, that they're going to try to get every basket they can. I don't mind it. And at the same time, you, the youth, you, know, you don't really have as many young guys sitting on the end of the bench as what we used to. If you look at Perth, you know, Corey Webster's, you know, he's fallen right out of the rotation. And it's not like you've got to give Corey, Corey Webster one garbage minute or two. Gar- it's... John really made a couple of interesting statements. One of them was playing that game out like that. The other one for me was benching Corey Williams. So the three and oh, you talk about Mrs. Cotton, I'll talk about Corey Webster. The minute they went away and pushed him all the way to the end of the bench was for me on the court where they started improving. So I think it's a watch this space with Corey Webster as well. Sometimes too many scorers, not enough defenders on one team. Yeah, no, um, no, you're right. I move, mean, move. that is a fact. I think Craig Craig Moller actually even mentioned in that game yesterday we were at with with the Phoenix and United. He actually did mention the last couple of points they got that you know every basket's sacred and they should be protecting. You know, so yeah, that that is a consideration. The way that the uh, the NBL it works on those head to heads and those percentages and those points. That uh, yeah, I guess you do have to play it out. But I guess the point I was making with Cotton was that. Uh, you know, you can still push and you can still try and blow the lead out. There's nothing wrong with that. They had a great 18-point win, which which helps in that area. But, uh, but you know, if Bryce, Bryce Cotton comes down and rolls his ankle in those last minutes, you know, you're up 20 points, and, you know, he's rolling an ankle in the last few minutes or he stands on someone, then you, you sort of think, well, geez, it would have been nice to take him off when he had 28. Yep. <laughs> true, <laughs> you know, true. It's, a, it's an interesting you know, one. It win is. by 15, 20. Um, I'm being picky, but yeah, no. Sometimes, like you and I did for lots and lots of years, we came off the bench. We were dependent on those minutes at the end to, to, you know, early. But but flipping flipping it across to the team they beat, I was in Invercargill a a few weeks ago watching the the NZNBL three-on-three tournament, and it's an interesting one to understand basketball New Zealand. When I say basketball New Zealand, not the organisation, but the wider basketball community in New Zealand's opinion of the breakers and of how they're going. And it's no secret they were tipped to be one of the championship contenders this year and they've got a lot of talent they've brought in. Yes, they've got a few injuries and, you know, I thought Modi Mayor did a a fantastic job last year and he's charismatic, he's emotional on the sidelines. You know, he really proved himself as a coach last year, but... I won't say who the person who said it was, but the person knows a bit about basketball. And at the time, the breakers, were, I think they were one and four. And he said, yeah, it's all well and good to yell and scream when you're winning, but when you're not and all you can do is yell and scream, it falls on deaf ears. And so I've watched through that lens the last couple of weeks and 
the breakers for the talent they've got on their roster are a long, long way off the pace and probably have replaced the Perth Wildcats as the team we should maybe be looking at as a team that expected to make the, the finals, the, the semifinals, but find themselves second bottom on the ladder. Any thoughts on how the breakers are doing and how Modi Mayor is tracking in driving them? Yeah, well, I watched his press conference after the uh, that 80-point loss against Perth on Friday night, and he, uh, he took full responsibility uh, for the loss, which I think all good head coaches will do. Um, and Abercrombie was also is the captain and he's the leader. He's the player leader uh, of that group. And uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think Modi was yeah was a bit disappointed. Even though he was taking full responsibility, I think Abercrombie did mention that you know the, the the coaches had prepared them and they were prepared for the game. They just didn't execute. And I think look, Finn Delaney to me is the key to that that team. Uh, yeah. Look, I love that. I love Lamb. I think Lamb's going to start. He, he could be. He could be one of the best players to, you know, ever play in this league if it, once he gets going. And I think if Finn Delaney gets going, you know, they can dig out. There's still 22 games left. They're two and six. They've only played eight games. A lot of teams have played 10 or 11. So, look, they're in that spot where they can, you know, they can come back from it. But there's no way we expected them to be, yeah, second bottom, you know, on the ladder. Uh, you know, that's for sure. Before we move on to the NBA, is there anything else in the NBL that's caught your eye? You want to mention... Anything, your platform, if you've got nothing, otherwise we'll, we'll move on to the NBA. Yeah, no. Well, I, well, I love the I'm fact that as you did this, people can't uh, see, but you've actually got notes already much more organised than were though. So. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Well, you gave me you gave me two hours notice, so they, they gave me enough time <laughs> to you know scribble a few things down. But uh, but no, look, I've like I love the NBA. Like I'm old enough. Uh, I remember the first year it started in 1979 and I used to follow the uh, the Saints. It had Eddie Palabinskis playing and Rocky Smith and it was, uh, yeah, a great league. So I followed it for 10 years as a kid. Then I got to play in it from about eight, late 80s to, you know, late 90s. And uh, and now I can just see it coming back. And I think that that game we went to yesterday, you know, we were kind of thinking, hey, it's not too long till they're going to be playing at Rod Laver Arena in front of fifteen or 16,000. You know, and get back to the I guess the good old days in the nineties, and and getting that rivalry with the Melbourne teams. I think, um, yeah, it was great. So I guess that's that's one thing that uh, going to the game yesterday, and you know, when we were there supporting our our nineteen ninety six championship teammates, of course, uh, Mike Kelly, head coach, Sam McKinnon, assistant coach, and it was actually comforting to see there was there was a guy sitting a couple of rows in front of us that had the old Sammy Mack, Sam McKinnon uh, number six uh, Magic singlet on. So so it was fun to. Um, yeah, to go to a Phoenix game and see a lot of the old sort of Southeast Melbourne magic, you know, supporters getting on board. And I think with Mike and Sam there, you know, that was, uh, it, it was great to see from a personal point of view, seeing, you know, we, we've won championships with those guys. And, uh, you know, we go to a lot of United games. United have been great as far as, you know, including all the old fellas, you know, from, from the past team. So it was just great to see the sort of Phoenix side of things and to see their support that they have there and, um, you know, and, and to get that rivalry going. And it, uh, yeah, it was a really tough game, high stakes. And, yeah, it was a big game. I mean, if Phoenix win that one, which, you know, they controlled the game for a, a lot of the game, you know, they would have been seven and four instead of six and five. So, you know, and now United have sort of separated themselves a little bit, nine and two on top of the ladder. So, so no, it was just, um, yeah, it was just great to see basketball in Melbourne, you know, pumping. I know it's doing great in Perth and other places, Adelaide are packing out places even though they haven't got great success uh sydney are, you know doing great guns so 
yeah, it's just nice being a Melbourne guy to see Melbourne, you know, in the NBL, seeing it pumping there with the two teams. I, I, I love walking down to, and I did it again yesterday from Fed Square, and it's like a little bit like walking to the footy. Clearly, it's not the MCG, but you see United jerseys, you see Phoenix jerseys, you know. It's really nice for me. I didn't see that when I retired. Basketball's back. It was, I agree with everything you just said. Now, moving on. Um, I wasn't going to go in this order, but after the result today, I, I flicked on. I saw I, – I enjoy my NBA and I watched well, – let, let's backtrack. When James Harden got traded to the Clippers, were they and I spoke about it being a train wreck, who in the world would want James Harden on their team? And the Clippers have tried to convince themselves that having four stars will be a great thing. And two games in, it looked horrible and they were already warning signs. And internally, Paul George said, we're not going to overreact. And the fan, we're not going to overreact. They lost again. And today they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, the thing is, when you put four guys who are used to being either the number one or two option on their team for their careers together on a court, Nobody does the dirty work. Nobody boxes out. Nobody gets contested rebounds. Nobody cuts off the ball in a sacrificial way to open up a teammate. I, for the life of me, have no idea what the Clippers are doing. And, you know, there was the video that, that went around from the Dallas Mavericks announcer, you know, pretty much say he wants someone to trust him and give him the opportunities that Daryl Morey gave James Harden because I, I just don't understand why any team would want James Harden. He's gone from being an MVP, a walking triple-double to... And in that interview, he said, he's not the beard, he's not the system, he's the problem. That line to me stood out as James Harden's a problem and not in a good way right now. Yeah, well, they've they've lost the last since he's come to the Clippers. They're zero and four, and as you said, they just lost to the one and eight, <laughs> the one and eight Memphis Grizzlies uh, this morning Australian time, and uh, well, Memphis are now two and eight, but uh, but yeah, there's um, yeah, there's I I, did, I I couldn't believe the Clippers. Is there any way you can this, see this you know, working? The, no. Uh, no, I think there's going to have to be an adjustment somewhere. They're, they're either going to have to sit on one of those guys, well, either Harden or Westbrook. But then why, why bring in why bring in Harden in the first place if you if you're going to do that? I thought Westbrook, I thought he's been humbled. He was humbled with you know getting waved and then being on the. I think he's on the vet men or whatever whatever he's on at the moment. So he's been humbled, and yeah, I just didn't see any reason why they bring in Harden. I'm, look, I'm not a, I'm not a real Harden hater. In fact, I. Look, I think he helped Joel Embiid win the MVP last year. I mean, Harden averaged a league-high 10.7 assists for the whole season. I mean, people sort of forget that. And he was really, you know, and Embiid was, I think, focused on winning that MVP as well. But, but yeah, I just don't see I don't see the fit um, in the, at the Clippers at all because someone's going to have to, like you say, someone's have to going to have to sacrifice or everyone's going to have to sacrifice a little bit. You know, they were just starting to get used to the Westbrook with Kawhi and PG, and now they throw in Harden. And and as you can see, you know, they're you know they're fumbling around. What you know, what's their record now? Uh, I've got they're, 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 record, out, they're, they're out of the plane. Yeah, they might be three yeah, and seven. Yeah, I'll so stand to be corrected. So, yeah, now I know it's a long season. It's an eighty-two game season. It's not like the NBL twenty-eight games. So that, you know, there's a lot of time. But I think 
I think there could be some more some more moves coming. But uh, but yeah, Barmer seems to have this. The owner, he's got more money than God. But um, yeah, he's, he's sort of makes these moves. I think bringing PG and Kawhi in, I think that you know, fair enough. Okay, you, you paid overs and you, you know you got them in there. You had to uh, you know deconstruct the whole team, sort of thing, get them in there. But yeah, bringing in Harden, that's just another thing they've got to get used to. They're just starting to get used to Westbrook in the mix there, and now they've got to get used to Harden. And it's like who plays where, what do you know, who starts, who comes off the bench, who who defers, who do we go to in clutch time, you know, all those sort of things. So. Yeah, they're a bit of a basket case at the moment, and um, and especially when you've got Embiid calling out um, the other day. He didn't actually mention Harden by name, but he actually said, "Oh, it's great <laughs> to have a team where you know everyone's up to speed. There's no egos," uh, and he started going on about all this sort of stuff, and you know, and and what he's getting out of Maxi. I mean, Maxi dropped fifty today, so he is uh, absolutely making his case for. Don't you love it though? Like the, the basketball purist in me loves it. Harden would have. I'm walking out. I'm never playing for this team again. They're so much better without him because Tyrese Maxey now can be the all-star caliber player that a lot of people thought he might be. But look at the freedom Maxey's now got. I, I've loved watching him uh, develop. So enough about Harden. We'll, we'll take up a lot of time talking. I want to ask you this question. Last episode, Wertho said that the Dallas Mavericks were fool's gold. Uh, since then, they've gone and won another three games in a row, including beating the New Orleans Pelicans today. Luka Doncic is MVP, uh, MVP favourite. Do you, I mean, they've had a soft draw. Do you agree with Wertho's evaluation that the Mavericks are fool's gold and they still need to beat someone good? But I mean... For me, they can only beat they can only beat who's put in front of them. And today was another big win against the Pelicans team, who was should have been pretty strong. Yeah, no, well they're eight and two. <laughs> and I think when Wurlo made that call, it was five and two. But no, I, I can see where Wurlo's coming from because when you look at their scores, I mean their last two games, uh, look they beat they beat today they beat New Orleans they beat the Pelicans one thirty six to one twenty four. Okay, the previous win was was against Harden and, and the Clippers, and they they beat them one forty four to one twenty six. So they're giving up, you know, they're giving up one hundred twenty six, one hundred twenty seven points, and 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 still winning. So, you know, the defense side of it uh, is definitely, uh, you know, when you've got Kyrie and Luca going off, you know, scoring thirty three and. I think Luca's averaging thirty-three. Kyrie's averaging about twenty-two, I think, at the time. But, but yeah, when you've got those guys, you know, going off, it's it is an offensive league. But I think when it comes to you know push comes to shove and it comes to playoff basketball, you, you can't you're not going to be winning games giving up you know in the one twenties. And I, I mean they they lost. Uh, I think their most recent loss was to Toronto Raptors, and uh, and and they gave up one hundred and twenty-seven points. But they only scored 116. So Which I think that was I in the middle. I don't um, think it was three in a row. I think that was in the middle. You're right. Yeah, yeah. The last three games. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, they lost to Toronto. Then they beat the Clippers, and then they beat New Orleans this morning. So, so yeah, so that loss to Toronto. I guess that's that's one you'd think that you know that's probably one if they're going to be a, a non you know playing team uh, in the West. You'd think that they you know you'd think that they'd beat the uh, they. They beat the Raptors, but you know, like I said, they gave up 127 points. 
So, so it's still, so, so it's still yeah, a watch so this space for you. So you're, I'm not starting not to think you're agreeing with Werther. For an eight and two team, there's still yet to be. Proven. Well, I, I'm, I'm not going to bust his. I'm not going to. I'm not going to back him up in my first podcast and and, and, and come in and bag the guy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, easy, fair enough. Easy, no, right, yeah. An easy target. That, the, the Mavs are rolling. They're eight and two, but I can see where Werther's coming from. I can see okay, so, where he's coming he, from he, as far as the defense. He's one that wasn't on the, the notes I sent through to you, but I've. I was flicking through the scores today and the best player in the world right now is Nikola Jokic. And the most yes. underrated team in the NBA right now may very well be the Houston Rockets. So the Nuggets played the Rockets today and Nikola Jokic went for 36 points, 21 rebounds and 11 assists in a loss to the Houston Rockets who are now 6-3. and three. Now... A lot of people, myself included, had the Rockets to be propping up the bottom of the ladder. And there's signs of Me what too. Utah did, signs that they may be replicating a similar type of season to what Utah had last year, but just a little bit of veteran leadership. And I I had Fred Van Vliet wrong. I thought he was overrated. But the stability that he's brought into that Rockets team, which allows those young superstars who didn't have a rudder last year to play within a system, They've just been really impressive. How long it lasts, I don't know. But you've got to give them, I mean, a lot of credit to the Houston Rockets and the way they've started this season. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. I mean, to be six and three after the, in their first nine games, I think uh, no one was expecting that at all. I think uh, Houston looked like, uh, yeah, that, uh, I definitely, I had them, yeah, I had them out of the plane. Um, you know, in the West for sure. It's um, and, and I, I've got to be honest, I haven't I haven't actually seen many of their games. I've seen a few uh, mini Nor games, a few, a few of the highlights. So I haven't really sort of got. Uh, is Jock playing much? Not much at all. No. If I go to today's game, uh, let's have a quick look here. Bear with me, everyone. Uh, Jock Landale, two minutes, nineteen seconds for a rebound. So no. Uh, but maybe, again, another steady head in there that's not going to cause ripples in the locker room, the sort of guy that those young heads need around. Um, but, mate, good on them. They're six and three, and uh, and they're doing well. Um, one of the guys I... Unpopular opinion here, and if you've seen a little bit of the Phoenix Suns this year and Josh Gideon the, and the OKC City Thunder beat them this year, but, you know, they're still without Devin Booker, who, for me is as equally important to them as what uh, Kevin Durant is. But Yusuf Nurkic was a guy who got a lot of flack and the, and the club got a lot of you know, a lot of heat for trading away DeAndre Aiden and only, inverted commas, getting Yusuf Nurkic. Now, I, I like it. I liked it when it happened. And even in watching, Nurkic has had a couple of quiet games with anyone in the world is going to have quiet games when you're playing with two of the best scorers in the league right now. Um, maybe three if you include Bill. Bill might still be a top 25 scorer in the league, but I just think Nurkic's IQ, his physicality, that he does less things wrong than Aiton, and he's not going to complain when he doesn't get his touches. I, I tend to think he's actually going to be a much better fit than what most people thought, and hit a game winner in, I think it was Chicago last week, made a nice kick-out pass on a short roll, I've liked the way he started the season and I, I would think that if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, you've 
got to be a little bit more comfortable now knowing what you've got having given up DeAndre Ayton. Oh, I think he's a great fit. And uh, and he's only playing sort of 28 minutes a game, but he's averaging 11 points and nearly 10 rebounds, five assists. So, he, yeah, I think he's a great fit. Uh, today, he had a bit of a shocker today. Uh, they lost... Uh, yeah, the Suns lost to the Thunder, which is it's okay for Aussie fans that follow Josh Giddy because uh, yeah, that, that that was a good win, good win for the Thunder. Their Thunder are now six and four, and Suns are now four and six. But yeah, today in twenty six minutes, he only had three points on one of six shooting. Oh, did uh, okay, go, good, good one, Chris. The, the one box score I don't look at, and we come up with that one today. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, sorry to throw you under the bus there, but no, but but no, the, your points are right. But yeah, today today Nurkic had a shocker. And, and, and they lost. So, I mean, you know, there's uh, – Bradley Beal had a shocker too, by the way, uh, today. Um, the, the Thunder just um, – yeah, they just rolled over him in the end. But, uh, but no, Eubanks today, the backup, he was great. He came in for 21 minutes, had 15 points on seven and nine shooting, five rebounds, one assist. So, yeah. Where so, they, it was, where it was they, worth uh, them getting penalised for cheating the draft to get Eubanks in either. <laughs> The, yeah, no, well, I think he's, yeah, well, I mean, that that's just one game we're looking at now. But, uh, but no, your point being that Nurkic, I think, is, uh, I think he's a great fit for him. He's got a much higher basketball IQ than Aiton. Um, and Aiton, you know, had that, he had a bit of an attitude problem, whether it was right or wrong, or, you know, it just, uh, it didn't look like a good fit there when Monty was, was there. But uh, I think, uh, no, I think the Suns, but, you know, the Suns have got to get, you know, they've got to get going now. Like I said, they're four and six and they're sort of, they're, they're probably expected to be the team in the West to, to challenge the Nuggets. And, you know, they've, they're, they're currently, you know, they haven't got their roster together. Booker's, you know, Booker didn't play today, obviously, but, uh, and Beal didn't play well. KD was KD as usual. But, uh, you know, once they get going, you know, I think they, they'll, they'll be a challenge and Nurkic will be a big part of that. I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot and I think you're, in a better position than anyone to talk about this guy. Um, you and Warwick Giddy are very, very close, and you, of all people, we haven't spoken about Josh Giddy on, on this pod for a while now. I think we just came, every great game he had was expected now, um, to the extent where some of his quieter, you know, he had 10 and 10 today, and you'd probably say he was quiet in a win against Phoenix, but... You spent more time around Josh Giddy as a kid than many other basketball players, certainly more time around Wazza than many other basketball players. Um, but to tell us, just, just give us a brief, you know, everyone who's listening, a little bit more of an insight into Josh Giddy the kid. Um, the, the one story for me, and it's a very brief interaction, you know, as a young kid, he used to come down to MSAC on a Sunday night, Wazza would bring him down, tell everybody he was playing. As in, tell people Wazza was playing, pretend to be injured, sit on the side so Josh could play all game against A great men when he was really, really young. I mean, you were a big part of Josh's development before anyone knew who he was. T -t Take us inside some memories that you've got of Josh Giddy and what you see of him now. Yeah, well, we, we had to get special permission to. Uh to get him to play for us on A-grade men's on a Sunday night at, at, at MSAC because you had to be at least 16 years of age to play in a, in a men's comp. And I think he was maybe just turned 15 or he might have even yeah, been 14, 15 when we, we, we started to, to get him to play. And, uh, yeah, and I think Wozzer saw that, you know, his development, the way it was going, it was, 
it was good for him at that age. He, he, he wasn't quite six eight, six nine like he is now, but uh, I think he might have been sort of six four, six five at that age. But um, you know, and he didn't have a strong body or anything. But he he could he could play with the men. He could play with the men at, at that age, and I I think that did help him. You know, playing against bigger men, and you saw what he was like in his first season. Um, you know, in the NBL in Adelaide, where he just uh, you know he had you know a few triple doubles, and he was he was playing great, but. Uh, but no, I, I really enjoyed those years and those times. Uh, obviously, had Wazza over and the family, you know, barbecues at the house and everything, and, and seeing the kid grow up. But he he always had just a great attitude um, towards basketball. He was just a, a sponge, you know, with the history of basketball, the history of NBL even, and he just lived and breathed. And he's quite a good footy player as well. But uh, but basketball, he just um, yeah he yeah you could tell at fourteen or fifteen that he that he had a future and. I know I had to, I had to stop asking uh, one particular guy who will remain uh, nameless uh, in that team because he used to complain about uh, Josh shooting shots and oh no he took a bad shot or he did this and what's he doing he's a kid, you know so we had to get rid of that guy because it's like listen mate <laughs> he's the only guy playing this team that's got a future at the time we didn't know he was going to go number six in the NBA draft okay but we knew he had a future he was going to be at least a very good or excellent NBL player, in, in my opinion. That's what I thought. And you had him as a coach and junior. So, you know, a lot of my info came from you as well in that area. So, yeah, so it was kind of like we, we were happy to play. You know, look, he made a, you know, he took a few bad shots here and there. He made a few bad decisions. But even as a 14, 15-year-old, he, he, his IQ was, was, was pretty good. And, uh, yeah, and I think... Um, you know, that was a great time. And just to see him playing and running around now. But uh, the only thing I will say is that one thing that I know Josh is, is really focused on, and I know the NBA world are, are looking at, and that is if he can develop that three-point shot. Now, he averaged 26% in his first year in the NBA. Last year, he made a jump up to 32%. Now, if he makes another jump like that up to 38, 37, 38%, now you're talking he's in that sort of above average, close to elite three-point shooting and that just that makes him a lot harder to guard. So I think that's that's a huge focus for him. And I, I checked his stats this morning, and he's actually shooting twenty two percent from three so far this season. Okay, it's it's still early, small sample size, and all that. So I know that that's an area. Um, I know that that's an area that's going to help him. Uh, you know, a hell of a lot. Um, you know, with uh, yeah, with his development in the NBA, and I know that that's something he's, he's working on. I, th- I think he asked uh, the guys at Hoop City, uh, the good fellas at Hoop City, to make sure that they had an NBA three-point line on that court there, so when he comes back he in did. the off-season, he can work on his three. So, so look, the kid's just a hard worker. Um, you know, he's always trying to improve his game, and and I think his focus at the moment is. Uh, you know, is to get that three-point shot going. But look, you know, today, like you said, he had 10 points, 10 assists, six rebounds. He's averaging 12, six and five sort of thing, you know, for the season. So as far as numbers go, they might be a little bit down on last year. But, you know, they, I, I know, well, he spoke specifically about looking forward to playing with Chet. And I think, um, you know, Chet Holcomb's going to give Wemby a, a, a run for rookie of the year, I reckon, because he still qualifies as a rookie, I believe, because he didn't. He does. Uh, no, he does. It, it's going to be a more something. interesting race than, yeah. than people think. Um, now, mate, I, I'm going to throw this one at you and you can answer this one however you want, but I'd almost be negligent with the basketball community. We talk a lot when there's no one around. Um, you know, over the last three years, 
I think the people in the basketball community know you've had your health battles. Uh, I think everyone close to you, myself, top of that list has been, I can only, I know you've been overwhelmed, but I was just amazed at the support the basketball community through towards you and others who battle um, when you're going through hard times. And the fact that you are sitting here talking to me today and forget this podcast, but we went out last night, went to a game and we, we still catch up. And I, I think there'd be a lot of people who I don't speak too much who would love to know how you're doing. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. You can share as much or as little as you want, mate. Oh, yeah. No, look, I've... Yeah, I've had a bit of a journey over the last uh, four years or so, but uh, I've recently, I'll give the, the recent news because it's good news uh, that I had a, a clear PET scan just recently and I'm actually uh, able to stop uh, the debilitating treatments I've been on for the last uh, 20 months. So it's great to have a little bit of a break from that, you know, mentally. It's great to have a win and it's great to be able to tell my mates like you and other people that have uh, supported me, it's it's just great to be able to uh, tell you guys some good news. Because uh, normally it's like, oh no, the scan was no good. Now they've got to take out my organs. Now they've got to take out my bladder. Now they're going to, oh, it's another bad scan. Oh, now you're going to have to start this treatment and do chemo and radiation. Oh, now you've got to do this. So it was great to get that, um, that clear scan. I can now stop the treatment for a while, um, you know, over the Christmas period. Uh, I've still got to I'm still taking meds and I've still got to see the doctors and I've got to get my blood tested and I've got a scan coming up in another four months. But, uh, but no, so it's, um, it's been pretty good. I mean, you know, without dramatising it too much, I mean, four years ago they gave me a 50% chance of being alive within two or three years. So I feel like I'm on bonus time. And, uh, yeah, the, like I said, the, the, I was blown away by the support you know, just from the basketball community. And, and I'm not just talking, you know, my professional career, you know, with the Magic and guys like you and uh, but, and all the Tigers guys and the Giants guys, all our adversaries as well. But but even grassroots, the Knox Raiders, uh, who I played for before I, I went to the NBL, uh, as far as grassroots go, um, and that and, and the support they've given me and, and just everybody. Um, you know, I think of Jeremy Lowleague, just, you know, the CEO of... Um, uh, of the NBL, uh, Nick Trulson at Melbourne United, um, you know, the boys at, at the Phoenix. And, yeah, so I, I, I can't thank uh, everyone enough and I, I'm pleased to be able to give people some some good news. But I, I always used to go by the saying that, you know, um, you may see me struggle but you'll never see me quit. And I think that's that's something that I've lived by for the last sort of four or, four or so years. And I think... Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, facing adversity. And I think sometimes facing adversity can give you an opportunity. You, you, you've led into the, the last question I'm going to ask you. And it's almost, I reckon you would have had a little bit of time to actually think about this. It's a question I ask when we get a guest on. The last question uh, we ask, I'm going to ask you this because I reckon you might just have a pretty good answer. Heaven is arriving at the end of your life and realising that the story you've written with that life is a story someone would read. So my question is, what's the chapter you'd, of your life you'd like most people to know about or what is the most important lesson you've learnt that you'd like to share? Yeah, well, I guess as I just touched on, I, I think that adversity, um, facing adversity, which everyone faces in their life at some point, um, you know, whether it's a health issue. And I guess my big one, 
you know, I thought adversity was trying to get through a Brian Gorge in pre-season before the sports scientists used to take over and he'd just kill us in pre-seasons. And, uh, you know, or you're going through a shooting slump and you think, oh, that's adversity. Oh, geez, I've got to get out of that. And my contract's coming up or whatever it is. Or, or or you don't play as many minutes as you think or you don't have a good game. And, you, you know, you learn these things, you know, adversity. And I think um, one of the best compliments that Brian Gorgian, who who – who I love. I'm a Gorgian guy and uh, you know, he's taught me so much in life, in basketball and in life. But uh, the one thing he, um, yeah, the best compliment I guess I, I could get from Brian was that, uh, yeah, after I left the team that he coached and, you know, and he, he said that on the days that were really hard, dog days, practice days, and you're know, going through the process and you're working hard and it's just getting a drag and a grind. And that, and that's when he said he missed me the most, <laughs> you know, was to have a guy around that used to loosen up things and, and used to, you know, I guess face adversity head on and, and, and tackle it. And I think, you know, that's something that, um, you know, that I hold dear to me. And, and another thing that Brian sort of installed in me was that uh, I remember him saying that, look, if you want success in anything in life, you know, you, you work hard. But he said working hard doesn't guarantee success. But if you don't work hard, you got no shot, as Brian would say. You got no shot. <laughs> so I think that's something that I've sort of taken with me, and and knowing that, uh, you know, he thinks that I'm a fighter. He thinks that I can face adversity. So, like I said, now I think of adversity in life as as a challenge. It's 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 an opportunity to be able to show show people what you're made of. It's an opportunity to show your true colours, um, you know. And you can relate that to anything in life, you know, whether you relate it to sport relationships you know health health problems that, that you know that I've had and I've had to face those demons um, and I think it gives you an opportunity so you know everyone's going to die um, and the way I looked at it is if I'm going to die of cancer I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down fighting and I'm not going to quit and I think that's I think that's just a, a good message and it, it's really uh, really helped me. I mean, just talking about it now <laughs> gets me a little bit emotional because it's something that, um, yeah, it's, it's 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 something that I think's you know uh, very important, and that is to you know to face things you know head on, and um, you know face adversity head on, and, and and there's sometimes an opportunity, and you know if my opportunity is that I get to inspire somebody, whether it's one person or two people or five people you know, then, then, then that's my thing. Then that's my give. So, yeah, so I guess that's, that's probably, um, yeah, the lessons that uh, you learn sort of in basketball, I think you can carry through in your life. And that's helped me out tremendously because you know, when you're doing chemo and then you've got to go to radiation and you're just totally wrecked and you're just thinking, and, and I'm thinking back thinking, you know what, this is how I felt when I was doing preseason and I thought I was going to die, you know, um, so, yeah, those things, I guess, you know, have toughened me up and, uh, you know, allowed me to be able to face adversity and still have a bit of a joke and a laugh. And another saying I have is if you if you don't laugh, you cry. So I think that's, you know, sometimes you've got to have a bit of fun with things uh, that we have over my journey anyway. So, uh, so yeah, so I don't know if I answered that correctly yeah, in the right mate, way. That's kind you, of... You, um, you, you did, and I'll, I'll preface it by saying I, I reckon... I speak on behalf of a lot more people than just me where I say you've inspired more than one or two or five people, mate. You've taken a lot of people on a journey with you. You continue to inspire a lot of people every single day, mate. You you were the guy who got this has-beens thing going uh, in some small way. I think 
that has been has been something that's been really really dear to us all, and we've shared your journey through that. I know you're representing now, mate. Absolutely, uh, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. We'll get you back on, and uh, reckon you've been a absolutely incredible replacement for Werther. We might just have to do it again soon. Parky, thank you very much, mate. I'm happy to. I'm happy to back back up, but there's nothing wrong with backing up uh, some players. If you if you're on a championship team, if you're on a good team, mate, there's nothing wrong with uh, being the backup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, everybody.